another episode of A Woman's Work with Rashanda. A woman's work is being informed. A woman's work is being educated. A woman's work is being aware. A woman's work is knowing how to prevent disease and have optimal health. Welcome, listeners, to another episode of A Woman's Work. Today on the show, we have two African-American women medical doctors in the field of HIV, Dr. Pam Foster and Dr. Barbara Owens, to talk to us about HIV and the impact of COVID. Welcome to the show, Dr. Foster and Dr. Owens. Thank you. Thank you. Great to be here with my sister physician. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I'm loving it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And I'm sure our listeners are going to love it, too, because they get an opportunity to listen to African-American women. This women is this show is about African American women yeah. and HIV. So they get a chance to talk to two African Americans, to hear from two African American women physicians yes. that's working in the field of HIV. So this is exciting. So I'm yes. excited that I listen to the chance to hear from you all and to talk about HIV and what's really going on right now with COVID. So thank you so much for joining us. So um, Dr. Foster, Dr. Owens, you choose who want to go first to tell us about, to tell our listeners about your background and the work you do in HIV. Go ahead, Dr. Owens. Uh, my name is Dr. Marguerite Barbara Owens. I am a physician with medical advocacy and outreach, uh, nickname MAO in Montgomery, Alabama. I have been there since 2014, and I've been the uh, assistant medical uh, officer for the past probably four or five years, something like that. Prior to that, I was in private practice for 24 and a half years in um, Montgomery. And so um, I think what I bring to MAO is that internal medicine background uh, because we try to treat patients as whole people and not just HIV. Um, And then I am African-American and a female. And I think that as a unique perspective as a provider, because um, some things I could just understand just a little bit better <laughs> than someone else who might not have gone through the same lived experiences. So I'm excited to be here. Dr. Pam Foster has, I've known her. She's my soror. She's my friend um, and she's my colleague. And I admire a whole lot of things. I think the first time I met her was when she was talking about the uh, black church and the work she did with that. And I just think that's so, so awesome. So that's me. And let me just add to Dr. Owens. She's uh, also connected tightly to the uh, uh, medical community in Montgomery, which is an asset for MAO as well. Um, so I, I'm just delighted to know her and be friends with her. Uh, I, I work on um, Pamela Foster. I'm a professor in community medicine population health at the University of Alabama School of Medicine, Tuscaloosa Branch Campus. So like Dr. Owens said, I'm more of a researcher. I've been doing HIV research um, even before I got to to Alabama. Um, And my main area is stigma um, in the the community around HIV, particularly the church. One of my first studies, uh, we found that uh, church leaders had a lot of stigma around HIV. So I've been really working to try to decrease that stigma and increase uh, HIV education. So just delighted to be here um, um, for the show, Rashonda. And I, I must say also, me and my husband uh, have a nonprofit, AFRAM South, which is really the sponsor of this uh, radio show. We, we were uh, delighted to get a grant 
uh, uh, ending the HIV uh, epidemic uh, from CDC. So this is part of all of that um, um, is a part of the uh, show. So I'm delighted to be here as well. Yes, thank you for thank you, Dr. Owens, and thank you, Dr. Foster. And yes, this show is um, funded by the Alabama Department of Public Health, HIV AIDS Division, and um, to provide HIV education and awareness for African American women. And so, before we move into talking about um, HIV and the impact of COVID, we want to remember Dr. Jefferson Underwood III. Um, he passed recently, and um, he served Montgomery as a physician for over 40 years mm-hmm. and uh, want to offer our condolences to his family and just want to thank him for all the service that he did to Montgomery. Well, Montgomery. And he, he served not only Montgomery, though, he served the state of Alabama. Right. He, right. He, he really did do a lot. Um, um, I think he was the first African-American president of the um Medical Association of the State of Alabama. Mm-hmm. And so that speaks volumes for him and, and all he did. And so I was thinking when uh, Dr. Pam was saying how she has uh, met stigma in the church, I am all always amazed of how much stigma there is in the medical community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, Dr. Underwood was a, a supporter of ours and, and, and helped our patients in many, many ways that would probably never be known, but yeah, and I, I didn't know him personally. I, I, he is a Meharry alum. Yes. I'm also a Meharry alum. So I knew him through that uh, right. connection. Um, but I just knew of his work. He wrote a column for many years that was in the Montgomery advertisers. So that's how I really understood his passion right. uh, for prevention. Um, I'm so glad to hear he was uh, one of those supporters of HIV. <laughs> Um, prevention in your work, uh, Dr. Owens. So that's yeah, wonderful. Yeah. I, I, uh, my husband went to him as a, as a patient. He, mm-hmm. I mean, he just says he was a great mm-hmm. um, educator. Really spent time with his patients, and I think beloved by the community. So yes. I'm so glad yes. that yes. we are just invoking his name today. Um, yeah, as a part of this. Program. And that's how I know from being from Montgomery. You know, Dr. Underwood. Yeah, Dr. Underwood. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, a man. <laughs> yeah, it's actually a family of men. That's yeah, amazing that's to me. That, yeah. Right, I mean, the, the, the older his father was, also yeah. in his time. His okay, brother, I don't know that. Yeah, his yeah. brother is yeah. is my physician, my eye doctor. That's <laughs> <laughs> an awesome physician in his own right. Um, right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Family. Is he still practicing? Do you? Oh know? yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. I'm gonna try to go see him. See if I get some new class. Yeah. 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 Well, that's that's great. We're invoking his name because yeah. That's what it's about. It's a community. Um, and this program is based in Montgomery. So absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Got to pay homage to Dr. Underwood because everybody knows the Underwood family. Yep. <laughs> and the service they have done for the community, you know, for the community. So we just want to recognize and remember him and thanks for all his service and offer again condolences to the family. Yes. So listeners, so let's we're gonna move into the show to talk about. First, um, the impact of COVID on the African-American community. So Dr. Foster, Dr. Owens, which one of you all would like to be the first to talk about or just share information with the listeners about that? So I, I can speak first uh, okay. Owens, uh, as a public health right. doctor. I'm looking at it from a population um, standpoint. Of course, when we started, um, we didn't hear about the health disparities initially. 
right? It took a, a little while, a couple of months for us to really kind of see that we were being, uh, uh, Blacks were being impacted more greatly than others. And that's because the data, we weren't collecting the data that early. Yeah. Uh, talked to a friend who's in the Department of Public Health, that, that it took them a while to start collecting that data, um, even for who had COVID and who didn't. So, of course, we quickly found out that we, uh, Black and Brown people, were most uh, affected, uh, impacted, uh, killing us more, and as well as uh, having the uh, disease. Um, I've, I've um, uh, early on started working on a COVID um, vaccine equity program to see how how quickly and how equitable the vaccine was being uh, distributed in the state. And there were some holes. We looked at six counties in the state. So some, uh, for example, some uh, federally funded uh, clinics were able to get a lot of vaccine. Others were not. Um, one example here in in, in uh, Tuscaloosa area, uh, Mark Watley Clinic, they only, only got 200 vaccines initially, whereas others would get, you know, much more. And they they serve not only a, uh, have clinics in Tuscaloosa, but throughout the Black Belt. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that was really an issue that we kind of saw early. And of course, if you don't have access to the vaccine, which is our best prevention tool, then that's a problem uh, that, that could really affect our communities. And I think the other part for me is not only the um, inequalities of the vaccine, the inequalities of how we were being infected and affected, but all the other health disparities were even magnified even more um, in this time period. And those became to people who may not have seen them, you know, even a blind man could have wouldn't have been able to see them at this point. So if you can't get to the doctor, um, if you can't take off from your job, if you uh, can't have somebody who can watch your children at that time, all of those health disparities, if you don't understand the need to get the vaccine, all of, of that. Um, if I am always amazed, not only about the um, problems with stigma for HIV among our medical community, but I'm also amazed when I hear a patient come in and said, my primary doctor says I don't need to get the vaccine. Uh, Yeah, it is. We have a coworker that I'm dealing with who's pregnant, who's in everybody, including ACOD with the governing body for the obstetricians have said, yes, get the vaccine. Mm -hmm. And as of two weeks ago, he told, oh, no, you're young, you're healthy, you'll be all right. But we're we're just in a different time period. And if you want to say that a year ago, okay, you know, but the data's there and we got a new strain that doesn't care. Doesn't care at all. Delta does not care that you're pregnant. It just doesn't care that you're young and healthy. And so it takes no prisoners and we need to be educating and, and then we need to get the education from people who know what's going on. Yeah. And Dr. Owens makes a great point about right. the, edu- the the information is coming so fast. Yeah. Uh, for example, with the pregnant women, we didn't really know because of the pregnant women weren't involved in the initial um, trials. But what they did find was some women, there were about eight women who were in the trials who were pregnant, who had no adverse effects 
from the vaccine. So slowly that information sort of got out that if you weigh the risk and the benefits, that if you're pregnant, it's probably better to have um, the slight risk of a vaccine rather than have COVID in your pregnancy. Um, that information slowly got out. And like Dr. Owen said, the uh, obst- uh, obstetrician organization said, yes, it is safe to get it. But relaying that information to the other primary care providers and also to the public, the public needs to really be informed and how they keep get informed in this short period of time with information changing constantly. Now, first it was no mask. Now it is mask. Um, the, the risk and benefits. And so we're really challenged, like Dr. Owen said, where we already had health uh, disparity issues and health literacy issues. We're having to really kind of it's, it's being magnified now right. with this, uh, with this uh, pandemic. So yes. we've got a lot of work to do, don't we? And then it's the changing, just like you said. Right. So what we say on, on September 11th right. in right. September may change. Yeah, that's right. So we got to keep up with it. That's yes. right. And, yes. and so the question is, where do people get their information? Absolutely. I mean, a lot of people get it from the news, uh, from um, from uh, radio uh, programs or um Social media, uh, health, health, uh, health shows, you know, mm-hmm. health uh, or Internet. They might go on the, you know, say, yeah. OK, I need to know what's going on. What does CDC have to say? Right. And they may go on there and read it. But most people don't uh, don't fit into those categories. Nowadays, a lot of people don't read the paper. They don't watch TV news programs. So they're not getting the information and they might be getting misinformation. And, right. and that's why I say social media, because as I'm in the community, I talk to people and I'm hearing they saying they got this from. I said, is that asking yourself, is that credible? Where do you get that from? Who's that right. person? Right. And so that's what's going on. And so they get misinformed. Right. And right. so the purpose, that's why the purpose of this show is to provide um listeners are opportunity to get the facts right and the accurate information from credible medical doctors right right so that you can have the information to make an informed decision right, right. and and the other thing that's interesting uh it can't be a one shot it can't be just this program it right. should be an ongoing conversation Absolutely. Um, i'm finding when i'm talking to people about the vaccine if they're hesitant um i'm not going to convince them maybe in a one time conversation, but maybe over time. That's why it's so important for people like Dr. Owens and and, and Dr. Underwood in the community, because they have relationships with their patients to really have that um, trusted uh, relationship where they can really sit down and have a conversation about what is it? Why are you fearful of just getting a shot? Or is it because it came out too fast? Or is it um, you don't know what's in it? Or and so maybe that's some of the education that we can do, um, and we probably should talk about maybe even now right. uh, to really kind of dispel some of those um, myths. So that your cousin told you that you're going to get the mark of the beast is not really a scientific kind of <laughs> argument there that we need to dispel. But I hear it so right. much. Yeah. Right. One of the young ladies bought me a printing like 10 page article on why this is going to be the mark of the beast. It's like, okay, let's go to, yeah, let's go to the word of God and let's look at that. That's not exactly what it says. Let's, let's look at that. So I'm just going to say one other thing is uh, I was preparing for it. I was listening to a gentleman in, and I want to say he's um, head of ID at university of Minnesota. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about, even when you look 
at facts. You need to really understand what you're looking at. Mm-hmm. So there is a gentleman who's on the news saying 200 people have died after getting from the vaccine. Mm-hmm. Um, and the where he got the information was, you know, that uh, reporting system, Veris, the vaccine, I'm maybe missing out on some letters, but anyway, it's the reporting system where if you have anything after the vaccine, mm-hmm. you report adverse, adverse reporting. That's right? it. You report yes. it. And it can come from, you know, anybody. It can come from the patient. It can come from the doctor. It can come from <laughs> your, your cousin, your, your spouse, those kind of people, anybody. And so what it says, though, OK, that may be true. And so the fact was there were 200 people that died after the vaccine. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't tell you what caused it. So if somebody was hit by a car, that's in that 200. Mm-hmm. Um, if somebody was having a heart attack and that's in it. But, you know, they've had heart disease for 10, 15 years. Mm -hmm. So all of those things, it doesn't tell what's called causality or the cause of the thing. And so even when you try to get the facts, you need to understand what you're hearing and what you're reading. Right. Because even just looking, trying to look at credible, that's a credible source, but you need to understand what that is saying. Um, Right. And I know, I mean, what does that mean if you say 10 out of 1 million? Because right. I think that's what the risk is. Right. It just right. sort of gives you an idea of probability that is very, very low risk. Very, very low risk. Um, but you still might have to explain the statistics to people who don't really understand right. what statistics are. And right. kind of break it down into plain language so, so that people can really understand. There are some, you know, there is information out there. I mean, I, I, I will bring up the name Dr. Ian Moore. I, I told Rashonda this the other day. I mean, he broke down one of the myths so greatly talking about it came out so fast. And he said, well, yes, it did come out fast because what if you want to build a house? And uh, it takes about if you want to build a house from scratch, it might take up to a year. It might take a long time to get a house built. But if you your neighbors come together, you pool all your resources together, you can build a house in a day. Right. And so right. that's really essentially what happened here with the uh, Operation Warp Speed. They pulled, the scientists kind of came together. Everybody pivoted towards COVID because we're in a national emergency, not national, uh, a global emergency. Right. This is a global disease. Um, even me and HIV, I got pivoted to do COVID yeah. uh, work. Uh, right. People, he, Dr. Ian Moore works in flu with flu, the flu vaccine. He got pivoted. Um, some others, we had HIV uh, researchers doing a vaccine research and others doing research. So they had already been working with mRNA as a vaccine uh, vehicle. So all of that, if you think about it in that way, it can be done quickly if you pour the resources and, and the time and the effort into it. And that's exactly, exactly. what happened in this case, because I think the other thing that people don't really understand is this is a serious emergency. Yeah. Not yeah. only is it killing people, it's an economic, it's caused, caused a lot of economic devastation because people have been fired and, you know, we didn't have, uh, we weren't operating for a while. So, so many things um, really are affecting this. And so we really did kind of pivot and do it very quickly. So, yes, it did happen quickly. I had a, I had a friend who went to go get the vaccine and when she saw that it was not approved by the FDA, she turned around. And so I had to just explain to her, no, this is this is uh, emergency uh, uh, use is EUA uh, um, authorization. So um, um, 
But now we know, of course, the FDA has approved one of the vaccines and they're working on the other other ones as well. So that's right. That's right. Thank you so much, Dr. Foster, for addressing that point, because that is something I hear all the time from the community. This, it was developed so fast. What happened? You know, they came up with it too, too quickly. And mm-hmm. so thank you so much for explaining it. And mm-hmm. under, so in, our listeners will understand what happened, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. How, did, how it was developed. Yeah. I, I wanted to uh, mention also that, you know, African-Americans and Latinos and other minority groups are, are, are our essential workers. Yeah. So the, the impact of them being um, really unsafe for a while before we even had the vaccine right. might have impacted some of the um, disparities that we saw. You know, of course, we knew the mask. And, you know, when the, when we first when they first said put on a mask, I was like, oh, that's kind of dumb. You know, the virus is so little, you know, it can get in the mask or around the mask. But of course, we learned that it was to protect uh, not, you know, protect you from coughing on someone uh if you had covid because we knew we found out you know that the virus was uh um transmission was um droplets right that took us a while to figure that that's out that's right that's right <laughs> so that's we were all washing out all yep. our uh, our mail before it came in <laughs> right, and right right scrubbing right. down the bag and, and, and sanitizing it you know as a part of it but also the the way it's uh, transmitted and that's why we wear the mask so that the person who might be uh, COVID, because you don't even know. Right. It took us a while to figure out how long the transmission period was. Um, and you could be walking around with it and you don't know you have it. So the mask was really to protect uh, the person who might have it from spreading it. Right. Uh, then we went from six feet and then we went to 12 feet. <laughs> uh, then we went back to six feet and then maybe, you know, it's, it's good. So it's it's. It's changing, but the people do have to understand the concept of how it spread, how long it lasts, what to do with the isolation, you know, go get tested if you have symptoms so that you don't you die. You could die if you don't really um, uh, take care of just the isolation and some of the medicines, which is ongoing. We just opened up a monoclonal antibody clinic. Very good. Um, yeah. For treatment for so, some people who have severe symptoms which would help uh, to keep them from dying as well and maybe going into an ICU. So it's still, you know, so new. And uh, we just started that clinic last week. That's good, though, that we because we have had access. We haven't opened up one, but yes. all our patients would be um, would be on the risk of getting severe COVID. So our patients would would definitely be referred to get the monoclonal antibody. I was just thinking, though, when you were talking about um, the spread and how that is sometimes very difficult for people to understand. But sometimes when I'm, I use things that I recognize and my husband taught me that something that's familiar, the black church is familiar to a lot of us. Mm-hmm. And if you think about somebody who's standing on the stage and depending on who it is, mm-hmm. where that droplet is going to land. So if you got that hooper, that person is going to do that hoop. You know, that droplet is probably going to go out to the third pew versus, you know, or you have that person who's seeing 20 stanzas. You know, mm-hmm. we understand that that droplet. And that's why when we say, you know, we give feet, six feet, mm-hmm. it is actually dependent upon 
the situation that you're in. Mm -hmm. And so that's why the mask and the social distancing Mm -hmm. is important because you can actually talk to some people and feel the droplet that comes from just the talking. So and the washing your hands and all of that. Yeah. 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 It it reminds me, uh, you know, one of the early cases of a young man who had COVID well, a middle-aged man who had COVID and was really sick, really sick in the hospital was when he was singing in the choir. Oh, yeah. And that was, yeah. I think it was a case in Atlanta. Yeah. And so, of course, that close contact and that and droplets, you know, Droplet. singing loud, you know, we she, singing loud. Sign, <laughs> sign. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So um, you could see yeah. how it could spread in that kind of environment right. in church. Yeah. And church. Church um, ha, uh, has had some um, has been the center epicenter of a lot of couple of yes. um, um, occasions. I know one church down in Albany, Georgia, I think, where they funerals, uh, repast services. I mean, you know how we hug at church. Right. So that's why the caution for some churches to come back um, right. to, to uh, regular services, because you know, some of the things we do now, it's so interesting now at my church, we, they've got the sanitizer station, right? Um, which right. is, you know, something we never thought about at churches before. We've always had them like at daycare centers, you know, because the passing of germs with kids is pretty right. well known, but now we're paying attention there and it'll probably stay there forever. You know, And the essential workers have now become the people who run the Zoom because we need yes. them. There's, there's yes. so many Zoom churches that reach I would think so many more people. Um, And so that the black church or churches in general have had to make some serious adjustments, but those who did have probably flourished versus falling, you know, to the wayside at this time period because of the technology. Yeah. I've um, heard pastors say that they, you know, they would have thought that maybe their uh, giving would go down. Right. But there are some of them is, uh, giving has actually gone up because right. they're able to tap into uh, members uh, not in their community, maybe right. uh, another state, family members. Um, so it's interesting at the, at the same time where there might have been some challenges for the church. For some, it's, it's actually been a blessing. Um, and they've had to pivot the way they do church. Yeah. Uh, really thinking about doing it um, yeah. via Zoom and long distance. That might work better for young people, mm-hmm. uh, you know, work schedules and et cetera, et cetera. So it's, right. it's, it's, it is interesting. They still, they still get the word. And in a different delivery mode. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I was um, thinking, oh, go ahead, Dr. I was just going to say while she was talking, I was thinking of one of the other confusing points, and it is confusing um, as I, we were doing it. The the testing, what test do you get? Do you get the antigen? Do you get the, the one that goes up your nose? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. um, do you go the PCR? Do you have to get the antibody? And there is still so much, um, like I said, confusion about mm-hmm. that. So that mm-hmm. rapid antigen test, if it's positive, you got it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's the problem comes when it's negative. You mm-hmm. can still have the infection, and when it's negative, the antibody, the blood antibody, that just tells you you were exposed, right? I mean, it doesn't tell you whether you're actively infected mm-hmm. or not. The PCR was a little bit confusing for me, and I had to kind of look at it. And so the PCR one, which just is um, the, the specialized one that they send off, the mm-hmm. polymerase, polymerase chain reactant, that's what it mm-hmm. stands. But that one, we had a, a problem the other day, young lady got a positive uh, test by the swab for the antigen and then got a negative 
the very next day got a negative PCR. And of course she was confused now, what do I do? Mm-hmm. And so the PCR maybe it's the, the one that's least uh, predictable as far as how long it'll last. Mm-hmm. So for some people, it will be negative and you still have are, are full in symptoms. So your third, fourth day, it may go away for three to four days in three to four days. But for some people, it will last. And it's so difficult to to understand that um, and, and the testing part. So that takes some some explaining and educating and those kind of things on the testing part as well. So have you all been doing testing at uh, MAO? We were doing testing to everybody for a while. And then, of course, I think we all stopped being quite as vigilant around the beginning about May when the numbers were looking good. And we, we did not, we still did the masking and we've always still done the masking and questioning. And now we only do the testing. Um, if we, if somebody's symptomatic, Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of where we are, but we just had a discussion. We may go back to now testing everybody again. Everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's interesting so. because that's kind of waxed and waned, uh, right. Rashonda, because, you know, as more as some people got vaccinated, right. then we weren't, you know, we kind of shifted our attention to the vaccination right. and away from right. the testing. But we still have testing. I'm here at the university on a campus. Okay. Um, we were doing a lot of testing. Um, initially, and we were even doing what we called uh, the, the so that was for students who had symptoms. Then we were doing sentinel testing. So we were going into high risk areas, which is really your sorority houses, fraternity houses on campus and just doing some spot testing. And we would get some positives there. They've stopped the sentinel testing. And of course, we still are open for um, just testing when when, when uh, people have uh, symptoms. Okay. Um, but of course, a lot of attention on the vaccination, on the, yeah, on getting yeah. the vaccine. It's not it's, mandatory, not mandatory here on our campus, but a lot of incentives to really encourage people to get vaccinated. And Dr. Foster and Dr. Owens, before I get into, because that was definitely what I want to talk about the vaccine, but before I get into the vaccine, um, I want to ask Dr. Owens. And she talked earlier about risk for HIV patients, HIV positive patients. So COVID-19, tell to, talk to the listeners about COVID-19 and the risk it poses for individuals living with HIV. Um, so there's a couple of ways you can look at it. So patients who get, well, and I will tell you, this was an ongoing kind of um, changing science as well, um, because of first few months, there was some study in Spain that said, hmm, patients with HIV don't really get as bad COVID. That's, uh, but with, that has been proven over and over again, that if patients with HIV do get COVID, that they tend to be much sicker, they tend to be in the ICU more, and their mortality, their death rate is higher. So we do know that. Um, the other thing is patients with HIV tend to have other a higher risk for other comorbidities. So other diseases that would make you even at a higher risk for COVID. Um, So diabetes is higher percentage-wise, risk-wise in um, HIV patients. Um, Our patients are living longer. So there are more older patients now as well. Um, So there are all kinds of things that would put you at a higher risk because you have HIV. And the, um, so we have encouraged all our patients to get, the vaccine. We've had the mRNA, um, one of them. Now we have both of them. But it is very important for 
patients with HIV to get the vaccine. It's not contraindicated. There's no reason. Um, it doesn't interfere with medicines. Um, it, just like we want them to get vaccinated from both things. We don't want their immune system. And I tell them all the time, this is so your immune system doesn't have to do anything else. It's got enough issues right now. So it doesn't need to do anything else. Mm-hmm. And so we keep, we, we do encourage that. I think the question now is whether they should get the booster. And so that's kind of where we're, um, what I was saying that things, what I say today will not be <laughs> the same in three weeks. So right now, the only patients that we are, recommending the booster for our uncontrolled HIV um, or patients not on medications for HIV. Any of those people, they still would be at a much higher risk. Mm -hmm. But if you have controlled HIV and you're taking your medicine at this point, as of September 11th, you really don't qualify for the booster, but come back and see me at the end of September. Mm -hmm. That'll probably change. And that's kind of where uh, the science I think is going on that piece. But yeah. Because uh, the the recommendation is for the booster is immunocompromised, correct? Right. Um, so that so that's interesting uh, that it may or may not be for a person who's controlled HIV or medicines and controlled. Yeah. Uh, so- you know, I work. I also work with lupus patients, so they would probably be uh, in line to get the booster. I'm asthmatic, um, so I don't know if asthmatics maybe may or may not. Um, anybody who's had uh, chemotherapy, cancer treatment is definitely in line to get the booster right now. So, right. but you're right, Dr. Owens, that could change. Right. So, and so it is uh, important for people to really be in contact with their uh, primary care or specialists mm-hmm. around these uh, issues. Yeah. So, so Dr. Um, Owens, so you recommend that people living with HIV prior to us getting that getting the vaccine. <laughs> As a priority. Yes, (laughs) ma'am. I do believe it is a priority. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I believe it's a priority for all of us. Now, that's just kind of the bottom line, but particularly patients with HIV, again, because the outcome, if they are infected with COVID, is so much worse, Mm -hmm. being deaf. There is a higher mortality rate. So if we can do something to prevent that, then let's do it. It's particularly something that because of your HIV status or medicine should not have any interaction, should not have any problem. I mean, and there that's been proven. So I don't. Yeah, there's no reason not to and every reason to get it. Yes. Yeah. And I, I wanted to follow up on Dr. Owens uh, that we've had vaccines forever. Mm-hmm. as a preventive tool. And really, the whole idea of prevention is so foreign to people. Um, <laughs> you know, really in healthcare, most people, they don't come to into the system until they're sick. Right. That's not what we want to do. We want to shift that um, paradigm to come in while you're healthy and get checkups, have a relationship with a healthcare provider so that you, we can prevent you from getting sick, sick. And there are tools, screening, secondary prevention. We have screening tools that help you um, to uh, catch the, the disease. You're going to get it, but catch it early so that we can treat you early. But the the vaccine is our best primary prevention tool right. to prevent you from getting the disease in the first place. Lots, long history, of course, polio. Some of us who are older remember polio getting either the vaccine or oral. And they're even talking about with COVID, maybe doing uh, oral um, hearing, um, um, you know, vaccine orally for people who are afraid of getting shots. 
Um, so that might be a or nasal, maybe it's nasal, nasal or oral, one of the, one of the other, so that you don't have to get a shot. But um, just the whole idea of what a vaccine does, um, really, when you're talking about um, either uh, viruses or bacteria, it's really uh, giving a little bit of it or some some part of the protein uh, for our bodies to make antibodies against that infectious disease so that when we get it, it'll recognize it and sort of neutralize it and, and uh, we won't get sick. Right. So that's just sort of a general principle. It's a little more complicated than that, of course. With, with the, I heard a, a, a young doc do a, a uh, talk on it, and she said it's something for the young people. So I had to kind of figure it out. But it's like Snapchat. You show uh-huh. that Snapchat picture, and, uh-huh. and it says, look, if you see this dude, you get him. <laughs> but the memory of that Snapchat Snapchat picture is still there. I thought that was really good. That's cute. Yeah, that I is cute. I don't understand what it means, but <laughs> that means that means that's not my generation. <laughs> my Remember, of it. yeah, it doesn't. Is it? It's is Instagram the same way? Uh, Snapchat, Snapchat. I think, is the one that goes away. Is that right, baby? Oh, yeah. That's the one that's just there for a minute, and then it goes away. Yeah, oh, I think okay. you know what, Doctor Owens and Doctor Foster. I don't do me. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't even gotten to Snapchat yet. I'm still trying. I got an Instagram account. And I never use it. So I'm still on Facebook. I'm still it. on Facebook. Me too. <laughs> Which is, me too. you know, for the ancient people. But I like that. I like that for the young people to really understand the analogy. Right. That's right. that's pretty cool. Right. Plus you do right. Yeah. 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 yeah, and and as we talk about the vaccine, because this is one of the important um, topics we want to definitely talk to our listeners about the vaccines, the safety of the vaccines, and the confidence of the vaccine. <laughs> so, um, I love um, that term, vaccine confidence, because <laughs> yeah, we've been but, hearing we've been hearing vaccine hesitancy. Yeah, yeah, and we want to kind of flip it so that people are confident about the vaccine. Yeah. Because I've in a, the the study I was talking about, Communivax, um, where we were talking about the uh, vaccine rollout, um, we've interviewed uh, a couple of uh, clients, and they have gotten the vaccine even though they were hesitant. So they got it either because maybe a family member said, "Do it," <laughs> or "You can't come to my house." You're right. Or so they're they're not on the they're not on the vaccine confidence uh, um, um, end there, but they're sort of sort of in the middle, and a lot of people are in the middle. Right. They're not anti, but they're not positive. It's sort of like I don't know. Right. Um, I'm sort of in the middle, and so um, I love when you if we can even move them, even if they got it, move them to the confidence. Um, mm-hmm. um, uh, scale because then that will help maybe influence some others. They can tell others that they got it. Right. Talk about people. I know people are talking about their side effects, which uh, everybody's side effects are different from getting the vaccine. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, uh, Dr. Owens, have they talked in the clinics, some of your uh, patients? What some I of tell you, are? yeah, I, I tell you that most of our patients have had very little or no side effects. Um, I always give them when I'm talking my story that I did get the vaccine. Um, and the first night I got that, I was just so relieved. <laughs> 
I had not had a uh, glass of wine in a year and I had a glass of wine and I slept like a baby. And that was, <laughs> so I don't know if it was the vaccine or the wine. Or the, or the wine. <laughs> that is a side effect. Uh-huh. <laughs> but um, we've had some people who have aches, uh, that, you know, that kind of thing. After for about 24 hours at the most, it lasts and it goes away. So we've had some folks have had that. Um, not a lot, but particularly seen a little bit more in the younger. Us older folks probably don't, don't have quite as much. But even that, it goes away. Um, and I keep kind of comparing, okay, so you get that for 24 hours and you're going about your business. This you have COVID <laughs> and your chances of having problems and long haulers COVID is a whole another thing. I mean, right. so you have people who, you know, um, one of the arguments I always here is most people get COVID and, and recover. And that's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. Then when you look at the numbers, most people will go on. But what does recovery look like is one question. And recovery may look like you still have some symptoms. You still have a little tiredness and shortness of breath and um, uh, cough or memory, which would be devastating for a lot of us. You know, I, my memory already is 64. I'm trying to fight with. So <laughs> I don't want anything else that's going to mess with my memory. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and it may last for months. And so um, we, they talk about side effects being um, some people from the vaccine. There have been a couple of reported cases of heart problems. But when you look at COVID, there are lots of folks who also have that as a consequence of the infection. So more from the infection than the vaccine. It's just like, you gotta weigh these things. Um, The confidence, particularly for black people, we gotta talk about Tuskegee, that always comes up. It has really not a lot to do, but I understand my, you know, I'm not from this area, but one of my first patients that I saw when I first came here in 85 had, was in that Tuskegee, Experiment, so I understand it is particularly in this area a big deal. Mm-hmm. But that is a time where there was treatment known and it was withheld. Mm-hmm. This is not the same thing. We are giving you something that we know works, and mm-hmm. we're not withholding it. And if we really wanted to kill off the black race, we just not do anything mm-hmm. because we are the ones that are dying from it. So right. that for me didn't hold up. You've already addressed um, how fast it is or how fast it was. And I totally agree. You you put enough money and, and, and manpower behind it and you can do a whole lot of stuff in this world. Um, I'm, I'm glad you addressed the long haulers because that is an issue. We still don't know because yeah. we're still early in the pandemic. So the right. long-term effects for some people are somewhat devastating, um, but yeah. it's a small percentage. Most people, like you said, do recover quickly. I, I did want to uh, just kind of talk about the side effects really meaning that the vaccine is working. So right. remember, you, you 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 have the vaccine and it means your immune system is boosting, getting ready to remember, making antibodies and remembering it if you get the COVID. Um, so really, is if you look at it like your immune system's working if you have symptoms. And, and like right. Dr. Owen said, because we're older, our immune systems are a little bit more suppressed. So we may not have as many symptoms as a younger person whose immune system might be working a lot better. But if you think about it as, you know, the vaccine's working. Yeah. And it, it should only be for one day, uh, two days, maybe at the most. I had the vaccine as well. And um, the first time I had no symptoms. The, sec- the first uh, dose, I had no symptoms. The second dose, a little bit more. 
Um, but I just kind of pressed through one day. Uh, Bill, Bill, my husband, had the same time. He was out all day. <laughs> but he's retired, so he can do that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but if you think about it, it's, it's the vaccine is working and making yeah. the whole system work. And just yeah. for a short, uh, just a little bit of discomfort for a short amount of time. So much better than having COVID. So much. Dr. Pam, I wanted to ask you something, and I, I know we're almost at the end, but pertaining to HIV. So I've, I've read the studies and they say that there were people in the study who were HIV positive and did fine. And those studies are ongoing and out to come out. So that's fine. But my question, and I don't know this, is, you know, we all we know that there is a percentage of people who have HIV who are not diagnosed. Mm-hmm. Did they do HIV testing in the in the study? Was that part of the, the blood no, test? No, no. I'm sure when they did the trials, right. they didn't do HIV testing. So, so they there are probably have, more people in that study who have HIV than the they, ones they, they, they might. Just like the remember I told you it was uh, eight pregnant women. Yeah. I mean, they asked you up front, are you pregnant? And the women right. didn't know. Right. Until they got through the study that they were pregnant. So there probably are um, people who are HIV who didn't, you know, didn't know they were or or still don't know, (laughs) you know, being in the trial. I'm sure, you know, and this is the other thing we try to educate about with clinical trials because we needed to move fast. And this was such a um, this was such an emergency. We don't we limit doing clinical trials on vulnerable populations. So that's why we didn't do it with pregnant women. We didn't do it with children first, but now they're doing the trials for children because we want to get to a herd immunity. This is a term you're hearing. We're not going to really tackle this pandemic until the majority of the population, 70% are vaccinated. So if we can get children vaccinated, that will help. I think now, I think it's, I can't remember if it's half the population um, uh, have been vaccinated, might be a little less than that. So we want to get herd immunity. And I was just talking to my hairdresser uh, yesterday about this. You know, me, we don't have measles outbreaks because the majority of the population is immunized. And that's right. really what we're talking about here. I know that everybody's we've got free choice and people have make decisions. But if you're talking about wanting to get rid of a pandemic that really uh, affects a population, it's not just individual. You've got to get 70, 80. I mean, even with measles, we don't like to see it dip down to 70 and 60 percent. Okay. So the majority of the population, and that's how people have to think about this, not as just individual disease, but as a population right. um, sort of issue. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, this has been very informative, very educational, and I'm sure our listeners have gained a lot of information and a lot more facts about COVID in the African-American community and the vaccine. And so we thank you so much, Dr. Foster and Dr. Owens, for coming on the show to talk to our listeners about this very important, um, about the impact of COVID um, on African-American community, HIV, and the vaccines. So again, thank you so much, listeners, for coming um, to listen to another episode of A Woman's Worth. Remember, A Woman's Worth is being informed. A woman's worth is being educated. A woman's worth is being aware. A woman's worth is knowing how to prevent disease and have optimal health. Again, thank you for another episode of A Woman's Worth, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you.